work Fridays? No, I do. I mean, but Friday. Oh, okay. And, you know, I mean. Yeah, fr- Friday's Friday. Exactly. Friday. <laughs> like we talked about last week, yeah. how we'd rather have two Fridays because it's just like that great of a day. It's like, you know, <laughs> I, w- I was called it phone it in Friday. And then your generation came in and invented, what is it? Bare minimum Monday. Is that what it was called? Bare, yeah. Um, that's what yeah. that's. I know like there was an episode of South Park where they had names for every single day. There was bare minimum Monday. It was like too tired to work Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, and then he was like taking the mental health day. He's like, I, I need a mental health day. Yeah. It was, it it was, was like, pretty... a, there was like wheelie tired Wednesday or something. It was like, you know, very boomer humor of them. And I, I know they're older than us, but I'm still like, come on, guys. This is very close to like, nobody wants to work anymore. <laughs> it's like really missing the point. Like, but it was a funny episode anyway, because I guess it shows how some people do take advantage of it, you know. Oh, for as, sure. Yeah. For sure. But I appreciate it. But Bare Minimum Monday for sure was a thing that existed before that South Park episode. <laughs> that, uh, you know, was like a TikTok phenomenon. They're like, it's another Bare Minimum Monday. You know, we're going to ease ourselves back into the week. So. So now we kind of have a nice that nice little bookend, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you can't expect too much out of anybody on Monday. No, no, come on. Yeah. So now, come now on. it just now it just has a name. But uh, yeah, other than that, I don't think there's anything. I don't think I have anything to report. Can get we just into keep it going? If you want, I mean, uh, yeah, we can we can find our bullshit along the way. Yeah. Maybe our bullshit were the friends we made <laughs> along the way. Maybe the friends we made along the way were bullshit. Wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> Wait. Back, back that up a second. <laughs> uh, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 8, Episode 8, even though, once again, Max did show that I had watched this episode and was Boo. ready to move on to episode nine. I don't know what the deal with this is. Like, Fuck it shows, David Zaslov. <laughs> it shows that it's completed. and It's his fault personally. Yeah, def- I have no doubt about that. Yeah, we're, and we're talking about this as SAG talks the day like those broke down again. So uh, I didn't even see the update on that. Oh, yeah. I didn't know they broke down again. Are you kidding yeah. me? Which I I never knew that this was a I thought this was like a solidarity strike with the writers. No, no, they're on their own strike. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I knew they were on their own thing, but I thought when the writers thing was settled, the the SAG actors would come back. I thought this was like a we're not going to work until the writers (laughs) can work. You know. Now I I knew it was its own strike, but I figured like it would be solved like real quick after that. Actually, I thought the actors' strike would be solved much quicker than the writers' strike. Yeah, you figure like once one has a deal, they'd be like, "Hey, here's the deal we offered them. Yeah. Here's yeah. here's for you." And and maybe they did, but maybe actors just make that much more than writers that they were like, "Nope, still not good enough." I don't I don't know where all that uh, is going to end up. But as someone who cannot keep up with the media that there is out there to consume, I'm always okay with a little slowdown. I wish people were getting back to work and getting paid. I'd be fine with that too. But I, I'm I'm thankful for the ability to catch up a little bit while nothing's being produced. But we'll we'll see once all those we'll see once all those scripts get done that they can finally work on. I always thought that was funny about the writers' strike too. It's like don't you better not you better not write anything. It's like any like you can't stop yourself from having ideas, and that's what being a writer is all about. And when you're a writer with time on your hands and you can actually go out and live a life worth commenting on and stuff like that, I'm always like, how do you avoid going ah? Oh, damn, I can't use this. This is like the most original <laughs> idea I've ever had, but I can't use it because I thought of it while we were on strike. Like, yeah, it just for seems, real. 
so unfair. And I'm sure the rule gets broken all the time. Yeah, you have to still. like you have to go back and write. Yeah, like well, this happened to me one time. Did we happen to be on strike? I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. but no, def no, definitely not. And you can't even use that time to like work ahead. It's like don't work on anything that's you know yeah. uh, that would be <laughs> under the the guild. It's like damn it, I I really just have to sit on my ass and like and, and like I said, I'm sure they're not doing that. And that everyone's like, oh, yeah, I finished this script in the two days it's been since the strike ended. Uh, what a coincidence. Um, I just, you know, I really hammered it out. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I, went to Starbucks. I went to Starbucks right as they opened. I, I was there until they closed. I went home, pulled an all-nighter. Yeah. Went back the next day. Finished the day the strike ended. It's amazing. Like, that would definitely be me if I was in the Writers Guild. Like, wow, it's done. Oh, I guess I just work really fast. Like, don't expect that again. Let's get going. So what is the deal with stuff from our last episode, the bisexual? Uh, Larry and Jeff uh, all of a sudden are members of a softball team that is sponsored by something called Yari's Autonomics, which yeah. is two weird words put together. And you know what? Honestly, without the, I, I wrote it without the exclamation point, so now it looks like Yaris, like the Toyota Yaris. <laughs> Um, Yaris but, autonomics. So it's weird how just a parenthesis, parenthesis can, or I mean, a, an, an apostrophe can can change the pronunciation of a word like that. But Yaris autonomics, I couldn't find anything regarding an actual business in New York City or anything like that. But I did find this New York Post article about Curb shooting in New York City that was from July eighth, twenty ten. That yeah, so indicates these these scenes were filmed around that time um, on. This day in particular, these softball scenes, and I can't believe we couldn't see this, especially on like Jeff's face, but temperatures reached a sizzling and record at the time, 103 degrees in New York City oh my on the day God. they were filming outside. <laughs> yeah, I know. Jeez. <laughs> Brutal. And the other weird thing that that article said was it was the first time ever the show would be set mostly in New York City. And I was like, I guess that, I mean, it's here it is, episode seven and we're in well i guess episode six was in new york city so i guess if we're gonna get yeah episode six was was in new york city so that's six seven eight nine and then presumably you know we're gonna be in new york for the rest so that's half the season is in new york city i guess that is more than when they when larry was in the producers which was mostly in los angeles and then maybe like the last maybe just the finale was in new york city so may, maybe they were right about that but it seemed like a weird it seemed a little off. While I couldn't find anything about a real-life Yari's autonomics, which I don't think exists, I think we are going to meet Yari in a future episode, and there aren't many of those, so in episode 9 or 10, we're going to actually meet <laughs> Yari, who I believe is played by a very famous comic writer and actor. Okay. So maybe the questions will be answered. But I did look up to see what autonomics was, and it is the study of self-regulated systems for process control. Hmm. It can also, if something is autonomic, it means it acts or occurs involuntarily, or is related to or controlled by the autonomic nervous system or its effects and activity on the human body. So I found this other page that said in the context of IT management, autonomics refers to self-managing technologies that operate independently of direct human oversight to perform activities within a complex systems. So for instance, they gave the example that like a business manager instructing an HVAC system to set each floor to 68 degrees the system then routinely monitors each floor's temperature and turns on the heat or AC accordingly. That is autonomic. So you probably have a thermostat in your house that yeah. operates on the same way. So that is All autonomic. Right. So okay, okay. Maybe so Yari must be a guy that sells automation systems or something. 
I don't know. It's just a weird word to put on the front of a t-shirt. But also, it, it occurred to me that I definitely want one of those t-shirts now. Like, first of all, I love Raglan t-shirts. I love that baseball style, three-quarter sleeve. That's like one of my favorite types of shirts. Um, it can be full sleeve, too. But I definitely want a Yari's Auto- Autonomic softball t-shirt now uh, that I would wear. Actually, someone, um, one of my neighbors, I was wearing my Jiffy Park t-shirt the other day which doesn't say seinfeld or anything on it yeah it just it looks exactly I, I remember direct, yeah it's a direct copy of the one on the show <laughs> and so so he was like is, is your shirt a reference to something and i was like yeah there's a seinfeld episode where it's a um you know that's the park he's like oh right 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 like it it, it clicked when he when he saw it it, it clicked but he wasn't totally yeah sure that yeah that's great which i like which i like um, so what else from this episode? I found some interesting uh, cast members. I found out the old man in the park. I just kind of got the feeling that he was somebody, that that was like a cameo in a way. And so the Viagra dealer was played by a guy named David Canary, which was a, is a cool name. That's Actually, a I should, great name. Oh, my I God. I should look up if that's his real name or if he changed it or if this is a Sam Pancake. No, David Hoyt Canary. Yes. Which is even a cool middle name. It, it gives it like an awesome rhythm. Hoyt Canary. Even so if that's you want his... to hi- like even if you want to abbreviate DH Canary. DH Canary. That oh sounds my like a God. detective. It's awesome. Uh, <laughs> so that is his real name and this was his last acting job on something other than the soap opera All My Children and he appeared on that show for 1320 episodes uh, or one season. I'm just kidding cuz all my, you know, soap operas they they crank them out. Um, but he <laughs> yeah, was on, yeah, that's yeah. really that's really only three years max when you get down to it, which is kind of crazy for a well, soap I mean, how opera. many – it's <laughs> it's, a, it's a new episode every weekday, right? Yeah, so... yeah. So there's however many weekdays there are. Um, I'm sure that, he wasn't It's on... about five or six years, you know? Yeah. That's, a good, that's a good run on a soap opera. It's actually – so that's if he was on every episode. He actually started in 1983 on that, on, on that um, soap opera, and he ran all the way until 2011. He played Adam Chandler – one of the most devious and powerful individuals within the town of Pine Valley, Pennsylvania. I never knew that All My Children Ooh. was a Pennsylvania-set show. He is a member of the powerful and wealthy Chandler family, residing at mm. Chandler Mansion. Ugh. And <laughs> David Canary also played Stuart Chandler. This is so soap opera. It's like you can't even parody soap operas because they already do what yeah. you make fun uh, of them for. Who is, who is Stuart Chandler? His St- evil twin brother? Actually, Adam, that's what I assumed as well, but Adam is the evil twin brother. Stuart <laughs> is the identical twin brother who is the exact opposite of Adam. So Stuart is <laughs> kind and generous and honest. Adam is ruthless, unethical, and domineering. And so Adam always wears like a dark business suit and keeps his hair. Ted, it slicks back real nice. Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> this is uh, this is like the one Treehouse of Horror episode where uh, uh, Bart discovers that he has the the e- what yeah. he thinks is the evil twin in the attic, but then it's revealed that oh, all, all this time that Bart has been the the evil twin. I'm like, yeah. oh my god! So imagine, yeah, imagine the the take on like the evil twin story, but then. The person you discover is the evil twin is like really, really like generous philanthropic person. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. I, so, I'm the evil twin. Yeah. And so Adam always, you know, wore the business suit and had the slick back hair. Stuart wore like colorful cardigans with slacks and had like ruffled hair. 
I so I, I got I got pretty deep in this storyline because I was like I gotta find out how this ends. So this is it. It's just so soap opera. It never ends on a soap opera. I know. It just keeps going. There was what show was it that had a soap it's opera like called wrestling. It, it never ends. Do you remember that? Um, was that The Simpsons? And now back to It Never Ends. Oh, um, I don't remember. Let me see. Uh, or it might have been like The Critic or something. <laughs> oh, no. It was The Simpsons. Was it The Simpsons? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, and it was the one that Mo was on. That's right. Yeah, it oh, never my ends. God. They're like, I quit because you were going <laughs> to kill me off. No, Mo, the pink pages are dreams. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so here's what happened in, in the, the ballad of Stuart and Adam. So in celebration of Adam handing down his business to Stuart's adopted son, Scott, Stuart abandoned his trademark sweaters and slacks and donned a suit. In a tragic twist of fate, of course, a number of Pine Valley residents infuriated with Adam. I don't know why, but they arrived at Chandler <laughs> Mansion armed with handguns and Stuart was mistaken for Adam and shot to death by one of these people. Ugh. But then... Emma Lavery had a flashback, and it was revealed that Adam shot Stuart while he was drugged up and didn't know what he was doing until much later, but Stuart didn't die. He um, survived somehow. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't. I didn't That's also that a soap down. opera thing. It's like, eh, we'll come back to it when we need it. I know, exactly. They're like, he's dead, and then he shows back up. Um, so, but get this, I mean, that, so David Canary had a, a huge career on this soap opera for, for decades and decades, but before all my children, he was actually drafted by the Denver Broncos in 1960 when they were still part of the AFL. Oh shit. Okay. And then, um, <laughs> instead of following his football dreams, which he said, he was like, I don't know how he ended up in the draft. He was like, and even he said he didn't know how he got drafted by the Broncos because he said, I was like 172 pounds when they drafted me. But evidently he was like just that good did, in high school and college. Did he, I was going to say, did he play college football yes. or was he just like walking down the street one day hey, and a fucking limo drives up? It's like, hey, do you want to play for the Denver Broncos? Uh-huh. And they just Why take sure? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why sure, mister? <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know how he ended up being drafted, but but he was. But um, you know, rather than follow his football dreams, he moved to L.A. He was on ninety episodes of Bonanza in the late sixties and early seventies. He won five daytime Emmy awards as outstanding lead actor for being on uh, All My Children. He was nominated uh, an additional eleven times. So. That's what, like 16 Emmy nominations with five wins. His most recent win was in uh, 2008 for Best Lead Actor. Um, so, you know, just a, just a very, I didn't, didn't recognize him, but it was very cool that Larry put him in there. David Canary died in 2015 at the age of 77 after being diagnosed with Alzheimer's, or did he? God damn it. <laughs> because, you know, um, memory loss is also a big thing. That's, a, that's one reason like, oh, yeah, well, I got knocked in the head, but I didn't die and I forgot who I was. But now I'm, now I'm back or whatever. <laughs> that's also a big <laughs> soap opera thing. So I'll, I wouldn't be surprised if we haven't seen the last of old David Canary. I got knocked in the head and I forgot who I was. And then I got plastic surgery yes. because I didn't feel like myself. But now I'm back, <laughs> which is... A way to explain a different actor playing the character. Yeah. Contract negotiations did not go well. <laughs> Meanwhile, the original actor is like now starring in other things, other yeah. bigger things. But uh, I do have one more bit of trivia from the episode about Duckstein, who was played by Alan Zweibel, which is another name I kind of recognize from the credits. So I decided to look him up. He is a currently 73-year-old American television writer, author, playwright, 
and screenwriter, whom the New York Times says has earned a place in the pantheon of American pop culture. Uh, Here is why. He is an original Saturday Night Live writer. He won five Emmy Awards and two Writers Guild of America Awards for his work in television, which not only includes Saturday Night Live, uh, but also It's Gary Shandling's show, of which he was the co-creator and producer, and Curb Your Enthusiasm, which he did a lot of stuff on, um, I think, in addition to acting. During his five years at SNL, from 75 to 80, he wrote many iconic sketches, including the Samurai for John Belushi, and he created the characters of Roseanne, Rosanna Dana, and Emily Latella. I know the first one, Roseanne, but I don't know who Emily is. Both portrayed, though, by Gilda Radner. He also wrote the movie Dragnet, which I love, with Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd. Nothing's better than early comedic Tom Hanks. Uh, he also wrote the movie North with Elijah Wood, and he wrote uh, Billy. He helped Billy Crystal write his Broadway show Seven Hundred Sundays, and might have even like directed uh, a little bit of the recording Damn, of that wow. stuff too. All yeah, right. so uh, a big wig in the comedy world uh, for many years played Duckstein, and that is it. All right, do we got any other news or anything? Yeah, we do. I guess I better get to the the big news first. Uh, oh, that's right. I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. So this week, Jerry Seinfeld was on stage in Boston at the Wang Center. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've actually been to the Wang Center before. Uh, I, saw... <laughs> I saw Bjork at the Wang. Uh, yeah. uh, Jerry Seinfeld teased a secret about the polarizing Seinfeld series finale during his stand-up show there last weekend. He said... You know, I guess he takes questions from the audience, which is very out of character to me for Jerry Seinfeld. It seems like he does not want to hear from his audience. If there was one person who has yeah, a disdain seems, for his audience. He seems like the <laughs> like the ideal person who's like, look, I'm right. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, and I'm and I don't want to hear I don't anything I do is perfect, or I wouldn't put it out there. Like he really seems like that kind of guy. So I, any questions he's, that you have He's Ricky Gervais's character in the last episode. <laughs> yeah. Like Oh, man, that was absolutely awful. It was easily a 9 out of 10. <laughs> exactly. It's like, so any questions you have, if it's not answered by the material, there's no answer to it, you know? But someone asked him, you know, do you, how do you feel now about the finale and of, of Seinfeld? And he said, I have a little secret for you about the ending, a little secret for you about the ending, but I can't really tell it. And he just said that, here's what I can tell you. Something is going to happen that has to do with that ending, but it hasn't happened yet. And just what you are thinking about, Larry and I are also thinking about. So we'll see. And so that is the little bit of tease that we got. Um, yeah. And I saw what you tweeted about this yeah. over at No Hugging. And I, I elaborated a little bit on this on uh, on our radio show, uh, on my other podcast, <laughs> if you will. Um, and I was saying, I'm like, because you said... It's got to be for a Super Bowl commercial. I guarantee it. It's for a Super Bowl commercial. It's absolutely got to be for a Super Bowl commercial. Because Jerry and George were in a Super Bowl commercial. Larry was in one a few years ago for that FTX shit. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Like, they've got the connections for Super Bowl commercials. Yeah, and and they've they've tasted the nectar of that sweet payday. <laughs> so I think that is a more great example. Let's let's just hope that it doesn't lead to a huge lawsuit again, like it did with FTX. <laughs> no, that's hilarious. <laughs> 
Uh, so we'll see, you know, this February, I guess. But the other kind of big news this week was I listened to a podcast the week it came out. And that's because Larry oh. Charles was on WTF. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I guess I kind of buried the lead there. That's that's the big news. Larry Charles was on WTF. But, um... <laughs> the, the news, though, was really, you listened to it. Let me see, because I, I, I saw this episode. And it came out October twelfth or October fifth, a week ago, as of this record. Yeah, and I uh, marked it played. <laughs> oh, you you marked it played. You didn't even listen to it. I didn't even listen to it. Oh. But you know what? I'm I'm downloading it now because I honestly did not even read into the description, and I just forgot who Larry Charles was. Right, right, right. Yeah. So he's a long time. If any, he, they made a great comparison because I think I've also made this comparison. It's it's just the perfect archetype was created back in the 60s when the Beatles hit it big because you had Lennon who was like dark and mischievously funny and you had Paul McCartney who was light and also could be kind of funny but in that like very wholesome way and when you put them together they just made magic and that's yeah. always the way that I think people have looked at Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld Jerry Seinfeld being the Paul McCartney uh, happy-go-lucky guy and Larry David being the doom and gloom of, of that and then you put them together and and it made magic well there's, there's a couple of other people that are always left out of that archetype that, that have their place. And one of them is George Harrison, who Larry Charles kind of compared himself to, where that's that's when he kind of left Seinfeld. You know, he was like, well, if, if I want to do my own songs, I got to leave the band, you know, which is kind of like what, what George ended up doing. Because he's like, I'm, I'm just not getting enough on the albums. And so, you know, that, that was one of the things that splintered that uh, artistic group. And so he, he, he kind of compared himself to the George Harrison of that, of that trio, which, um, you know, I, I thought was apt. But the other thing was he talked that he hasn't talked to Larry David since HBO pulled their documentary about him hours before it was scheduled to premiere. So this was from back in like March of 2022. Oh my God. And Larry Charles. Documentary about Larry Charles? It was about Larry David. It was okay. Larry Charles like directed it and they kind of did it during the pandemic. It was called the Larry David story. And it was like a, you know, kind of a deep interview and a deep dive into Larry David's career. And he like demanded HBO max postpone it indefinitely, like hours before it was set to premiere at, at 9 PM on, on HBO and mm. HBO max because he wasn't happy with the finished product. And he wanted, I guess to redo it with a live audience um was the story of the Re time he wanted to redo a documentary with yeah. a live audience yeah like okay. do the whole yeah. interview again yeah. yeah like the idea is to you know get your feelings like you know as they are in this moment what they are in that moment is going to be a totally different animal you know <laughs> it's just yes um but it was just kind of like he's going to be down. tailoring to an audience yeah instead instead of just giving a, a real raw answer yeah, and, and there was even a trailer for it and everything like that. And, and anyway, Larry Charles revealed that he hadn't talked to Larry since that all went down, which is which is kind of shocking um, because, you know, they had been pretty good buds. But, um, you know, maybe I that'll see. I didn't know about this. Yeah. Have we talked about this before? I mean, I didn't remember it either, but, I mean, I'm looking at a deadline story about the pulling of the documentary um, and kind of and, and the trailer and all that stuff. So we probably talked about it and we're like, yeah, it's going to come out. And then maybe we somehow missed when, when it didn't. Hmm. Yeah. But... Um, yeah. Trailer number one, Rotten Tomatoes TV. Okay, yeah. I'm going to... I'll watch this later. It's only a, a minute and 16. Yeah. Yeah, it, it looks like there's... Oh, yeah, here's Larry Charles Projects on YouTube. Hey, I made a movie during the pandemic, and it's pretty, pretty, pretty good, if I must say so myself. It's the story of perhaps the most... Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. The Larry David story, one minute long. So that's... 
what seems like it's the trailer, 2.2 thousand views <laughs> a year ago. Wow. Yeah, so I, I just found that kind of interesting. The, the I don't know, it just sounds like they're, there's not, they're not feuding or they hate each other, but it just seems like they're, they're just little, not great friends. Little rift yeah. there, yeah. Um, so, and, and the rest of the episode was pretty good about, you know, some behind the scenes Seinfeld stuff and stuff about Jerry and Larry and, and how he came up and, and, you know, he did Borat and, and he worked with Sasha Baron Cohen a ton. So if you're into that, you'll find that interesting as well. Um, and, uh, and he's even done some curb and there you go. That's uh, that's, we actually had some news this week. All right. Do we got any like additional continuity that needs curbed or anything? Not... Not that I remember. Not that I saw. Yeah. All right. Well, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last... Now, let me turn to the left (laughs) to see my other monitor. 47 minutes! (laughs) Uh, Being almost exclusively research and bullshit and uh, dead time whenever I went and got a Count Chocula cereal bar (laughs) and uh, let George in the room. Uh, We are not a research-heavy show. Uh, Yada, 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 yada. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 12 years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over anything, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at NoHugging on Twitter or NoHuggingNoLearningShow at gmail.com. Both those links are down in the description. You can also reach out to us at NoHugging underscore NoLearning on Instagram if you would like to do so that way. If you like us a little bit, you can give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts and a five-star rating over on Spotify, whichever app you choose, or you can do both. It'll definitely help us out on both. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, if you if you like us more than that, or maybe you've already done that and you want to support us in an extra way, an additional way, you can join us over on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash nohugging, where for five bucks a month, you get early access to extended versions of every single one of our episodes. Um, Extended could mean three minutes longer, could mean 10 minutes longer, could mean, in the case of what this episode is going to be, I don't know, probably 40 minutes longer. There's going to be... There's going to be a lot of stuff, I think. Yeah. Um, But all of that comes out the week prior to the release on our free feed in whatever podcast app you choose. But you think, oh, I don't want to have a second uh, podcast app. I don't want to download the Patreon app and only listen to things in there. Well, guess what? You can get the Patreon podcasts in your podcast player. Amazing. Yeah, it's great. It's a, it's a great, uh, great feature that I'm a, that I'm a big fan of. Again, that's over at patreon.com slash nohugging. Before we get into uh, the next thing, I want to give a thank you to the people who do subscribe to us over on Patreon, like Liam M., Michael Klatsky. Got a name change of someone here. We want to say thank you to Wrecker. Okay. (laughs) I believe that is the, I believe that is the former Dry Bones. Uh. Um, But Wrecker, uh, R-E-K-R. I'm like, all right, yeah, let's 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 roll with it. Cool. Uh, Nate Collins, Tamara Ortiz, the guys and gals over at the Idiotville Podcast, John Murphy, Danica Lagorio, J Dog Conlord, Nick Kudla, Adam Webb, and Megan Stolarski. Thank you guys so much again. Patreon.com/slash No Hugging. And if you want to help us out even more than doing all those things, <laughs> and we got a multitude of ways you can help us out. Yes, uh, you can start your own podcast, so you can help us out and help yourself out by you know getting on uh, on the journey to a brand new hobby or maybe even a living. People do this for a living. You could be the next Joe Rogan. 
the next Joe Rogan could be listening to us. Oh, no, Tim. Don't All encourage you- <laughs> the Joe Rogans. Don't encourage the future Joe Rogan People types. People need to hear your ideas. And to do that, we recommend Libsyn. <laughs> Because I've uh, all of the podcasts I've ever done have been on Libsyn. We have been on Libsyn for 252 episodes as of this episode. So all you need to go do is go to Libsyn.com and use the promo code HUGGING. And when you do that, you can get up to two months for free. Libsyn will get you on all the podcast platforms that you want to be on. They can give you cool stats so you can keep, see who's listening, how many people you have listening, where they're listening, and, and stuff like that. And uh, so go to Libsyn.com, use the promo code Hugging, get up to two months free when you start your own podcast. Libsyn is L-I-B-S-Y-N, by the way. I realize it's kind of a word that it <laughs> may not, you know, you might, you know, might not know how to spell it. That's true. Yeah, That's true. It's kind of, it could if, be tricky. If you don't, if you've never seen the word before, just hearing Libsyn, yeah. I, I would definitely um, think like S-E-N. Yeah, Libsyn. Yeah, or maybe Lib- an S-I-N. Libsyn? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or maybe, uh, oh, did I hear, uh, did I hear him say like Libsyn, like <laughs> yes. L-I-P? S-I-N? It makes no, sense no, for like a talking yeah. company, yeah. It may, yeah, I could, uh, I could see that. Lipson. Lipson. L-I-P-S-N apostrophe. Lipson. Don't go to L-I-P-S-I-N. We don't know what that, don't do it at work especially. We don't know what. Well, now, lip, now I'm going We don't to. know what Lipson is going L-I-P-S-I-N to. L-I-P-S-I-N.com? <laughs> yeah. Lipson.com. It is uh, available. Oh, hey. well, all right. <laughs> We should buy it and link people to Lipsyn.com, yeah. which is just our promo code. Yeah, exactly. We'll we'll, we'll make it our pro- affiliate link to Lipsyn. Go to Lipsyn.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. All of that being said, Season 8, Episode 8, Car Periscope. Original air date, August 28th, 2011. And if you're looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry and Jeff Wayne Investment Opportunity and Wanda Sykes preempts Larry's training schedule. Huh. I don't like it, but it's it's what happens. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it might give a little bit too much away, so we'll see if we can make it better at the end. Uh, we probably can. We mm-hmm. open with a this very cool panoramic shot of New York City that then zooms down to street level where Larry is in the intersection. I just thought this was like such a cool way to open the episode. It was like very cinematic. And Larry is in the intersection of 5th Avenue and West 10th Street in Greenwich Village, just a few blocks from Takambi, formerly Sushi Mambo from the uh, last episode. Uh, so I guess this is kind of the neighborhood where Larry is, is hanging out because most of our stuff is taking place in the village these past couple episodes. And he is hailing a cab and he gets, what a great term, upstreamed. By a lady <laughs> who stands in front of where he is catching a cab, and so she can catch the cabs that are coming by. It was such a great term. He's like, "You're upstreaming me." She was like, "I'm taking. I'm getting this cab. This is my cab." Um, yeah. And- what did she say? She's like, "No one stops and waits for a cab." Yeah. Which yeah. which is smart. You know, you don't stop and wait anywhere in New York City. Yeah. Keep walking. Although, if I was gonna walk and catch a cab, I would walk the direction I was going to save yeah. money. Not walk yeah. upstream to you know so that I mean maybe I guess I'd go a block over where the where the where the cabs go the other direction but you're pro- he's probably catching a cab the direction he wants to go so I don't know this this lady was she did do something messed up but even Larry says like he gives I forget what he says but that it's against the rules of society 
you know, that she broke one of the rules <laughs> of society. But she, you know, steals it and, and flips him off anyway. Uh, over in Washington Square Park, which, by the way, is just a four-minute walk from where Larry was just standing. So why he was catching a cab, I don't know. <laughs> because he was going to jog in Washington. Yeah. Maybe this was a different scene because I think he is in different clothes. So maybe this was just, uh, you know, to set up the end of the episode. It, it felt like odd placement of yeah. the scenes. Like it, it felt like they were not meant to be in this order. Yeah. Um, although nobody really, kn- I mean, you had to look up. People in New York City might know, hey, West, you know, uh, West 10th and 5th Avenue is is only a block or two away from Washington Square Park, but I actually had to look it up and, and figure it out. But um, he is jogging with Cheyenne Jackson, who I recognized from stuff like 30 Rock. I, I definitely remembered him from Glee. And guess what? Guess what? He was on an episode of All My Children, but he's credited as Cheyenne Jackson. So I'm like, did he play himself or did they just hmm. like that for a character name? I don't know. I didn't dig that far into All My Children. But um, yeah, he's he's Larry's trainer and by the way, uh, Cheyenne Jackson currently, I say that with a question mark because I, I'm not sure if this has been rightly canceled yet, but he is on Call Me Cat, the Mayim Bialik show about running a, a cat cafe. Oh. I remember it being on, I think it was on After the Amazing, it was on After Something that, that Sarah and I watched, so I would always catch the first two or three like very cringy minutes of, of the show. Um, but, you know, good for him. He's working. Um and uh, he's uh, as we see Larry golfing later at the piers, he loves this new trainer. He's doing wonders for his shoulder. It, he feel, it feels great. He's he's hitting the golf balls well, um, and he's never been in better shape. Jeff says he doesn't like being told what to do, and Larry sees that opening to go. Oh, that's why you married Susie. <laughs> <laughs> and then I love his extension of the joke. He's like, you know. Because you don't like being told what to do. That's why you married. And Jeff's like, I got it. It was I so good. It. it was very good. <laughs> this was such a hilarious exchange. <laughs> and Jeff's like, I don't like more people telling me what to do. Let me specify. Yeah. And so Jerry is taking Larry to see an inventor. I mean, Jerry. Jeff is taking Larry to see an inventor. And Larry's like, you know, I'm an inventor. Uh, and Jeff's like, you're not an inventor. He's like, yeah, no, I thought of, remember, I thought of this, the two-piece ski that you can un, unscrew and, <laughs> you know, carry around like pool cues instead of carrying around like a big unwieldy ski. It's in now in like two smaller pieces. And so they have a little argument over whether Larry is an idea man and or an inventor. Because Larry says, you know, Jeff's like, you're, you're not an inventor because you just come up with the ideas and then you don't follow through. But, uh, you know, and I, I kind of see his point, but that's if you want to make the distinction between idea guy an inventor like to be an inventor do you really have to put together a prototype I think, or can you just have I, I think I think to be an inventor you have to create you have to put the product together yeah or at least file a patent you know exactly and, and I don't know what yes. that takes <laughs> you know I don't know if you can just have the concept and go hey I got this I, I you know I haven't made one yet but this is how it w- would work but Larry doesn't even go that far so maybe he is just an idea man <laughs> But he's not an inventor, according to Jeff. So Jeff and Larry are walking near. Thankfully, Larry just straight up says the location. Great Jones Street and Lafayette Street is 
is where they are. And, and he says this is where he this is the area where he lost his virginity, right? Yeah, yeah, he's like, this is where I lost my virginity to Susan Fleischer in that building right there. Oh no, Tim, he didn't say Fleischer. What does he say? I, I, because I I, uh, I caught this and made a joke about it in my mind. He said Susan Fleschner, uh, and the first thing I thought of was Fleschner. I barely know her. <laughs> yeah, he he definitely did. <laughs> you could say. He definitely fleshed nerd. <laughs> flesh nerd. Fle- fle- flesh nerd. nerd. Fle- he fleshed nerd. Yeah. <laughs> and that is where they are meeting the inventor of the car periscope, uh, which is exactly what it sounds like. A, uh, like in a submarine, a periscope that is in your car. He wants to make a camera version of it, which makes a little more sense than the prototype that he has built, which is like the standard mirror periscope that like goes up and down he's he thinks it'd be better if it was like an antenna that went up and showed on a screen in your car like the rear view camera you have a front view camera and now you'd have uh you know a rear view camera and a front view camera um and they both like the idea uh mainly one reason because larry came up with the idea of the car periscope which i definitely remember i'm sure it's going to come up on our homework the episode where larry came up with the car periscope idea because it sounded really familiar to me i think it was like one of those times when when he's just like babbling in the car to cheryl or whoever he's with like i I really think that this has come up before but larry brings up the fact that he also has good ideas like the ski he explains to the inventor who agrees it's it's not really an invention (laughs) which i disagree it could be an invention it's it's an idea. It's yeah. not an invention yet. Yeah, it's it's an idea that has been invented, but it's not a thing that's been invented. But I like Jeff's little look like I told you so. It's not an invention. Just saying that's not an invention. Um, <laughs> the other thing I love about the scene is Larry loves the compass, which I think all kids who grew up doing... Did you use a compass when you were in school? Uh, not in school, but I, I had one whenever I was in Boy Scouts. Ah, yeah, yeah. So it can be used for cartography or it can be used to draw perfect circles, which is what Larry, Larry, I'm just like him. You know, it had that really sharp end that, as Jeff mentioned, kids could stab each other with. Um, really, both ends were sharp, one sharper <laughs> than the other. He said he got stabbed with the pencil side. If it was the sharp side, he wouldn't be here talking to you today. But you would, you know, put the sharp side down and then you could manipulate the pencil all around in a in a perfect circle. And Larry said, as I could too, I could draw circles all day. I just love drawing different size circles with the, with the compass. It was, it was fun. But what the inventor needs to get the invention to the next level is $250,000. And the discussion that Larry and Jeff have privately over the validity of the investment quickly becomes an argument over the Sting and The Sting 2, the classic, mo- well, one of them's a classic <laughs> motion picture. One of them is a, a cash grab sequel to the classic motion picture, I think, because uh, I don't think The Sting 2 is as good as The Sting, but they haven't, because Jeff saw The Sting 2 and he never saw The Sting, and that gets Larry upset because he's probably the only person who saw the inferior movie and didn't think to check out the first movie. I remember watching The Sting because it was just, I, I was in like a classic cinema like i want to watch movies i've heard about kind of thing in like late high school early college so i was like oh i'll watch the sting yeah it's like robert redford and jackie gleason i think no paul newman yeah um and maybe jackie gleason's in it too but i remember being really puzzled because as a modern film goer i was used to anything about a con game it was like like oceans 11 yeah we're gonna take him for 500 million dollars and in the sting (laughs) they get to the big payoff and i'm like 
the movie's over? I thought that was just because the big payoff <laughs> is like, we're going to take them for $10,000 or something really like that because it takes place in like the 40s when $10,000 was $500 million, you know? It was yes, like, yes. This is unheard of money. I forget what the actual big score is, but I remember going, this movie is so low stakes. Like, <laughs> you know, I could get on the phone right now and find 10 grand, I think, and I'm like 18. <laughs> so, like, if I was... <laughs> It's just funny they're taking the big the big boss for that little amount of money. It was it was something puzzling to me where I'm like, where now I'm like I should go back and watch that and see if if now that I understand time frames and you know the era a movie takes place has to do with the the way they talk in it and stuff. Um, but that's the only thing that stuck with me about the Sting. And so they don't really talk about investing at all, but they tell the inventor they're going to think about it. But on the way out, they run into Gabby, Ira's wife, and Larry really looks quizzically at her and at the whole situation so outside larry and jeff go this guy is legit because he's smart he's good looking and he chose her he could have any woman he wants because gabby i guess you have to kind of see the show but she is stout and overweight and just not on the same attractiveness level as ira we find out uh is the inventor's name um and so they're like that guy has integrity that is a guy who is not all about superficiality. <laughs> he is somebody, and the, and somebody you can trust because he's not just going to go after the next flashy thing. He's like, you know, if he's committed to her, then he can commit, you know. Uh, and and so they're like, let's go back inside right now and get the prototype. You know, I mean, let, let's let's really make sure we are we can get in on the ground floor with this guy because he's got integrity. Like I said, by the way, it wasn't until the end of the episode that I recognized Gabby. Did you recognize her? Well, I recognized her, but it wasn't until the end of the episode when I saw the actress's name that I could place her. Did you no. recognize her at all? Okay. I'll, no, I'll, I didn't. I'll mention it at the end. Okay. But, uh, Jeff and Larry are test driving the prototype car with the car periscope and Susie, and they're on their way to like a party or something, and Susie's calling it kind of dumb, but they get into a spot of traffic, and Jeff pops up the car periscope which allows them to see that there is a garbage truck on the right. So if Larry just gets into the left lane, they'll be able to sail past the traffic, which they do. And even Susie is brought around to this being, all right, maybe this isn't yeah, a I stupid mean, idea. Yeah, obviously Susie was a huge skeptic of it until it immediately benefits them. And they're like, yeah. all right, okay. <laughs> okay, I can see this. Like, I, I mean, just for the, I would love a car periscope just for like curiosity's sake. Like, let me look around, but... <laughs> but sometimes you don't know which lane is not the one to be in and you don't want to pick the wrong one. And so would you be interested in a car periscope? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think. I don't know. I, I I would be interested in it until like I have to drive <laughs> yeah. underneath something with very low clearance and then it just lops it off yeah. and peels the my antenna roof back like a tin can. That can go up and down and is digital would be, that's awesome. Like. Uh, I'd, I'd totally be down with that. Um, so, yeah, Susie, even Susie is brought around by this. Um, we g uh, enter an apartment where we meet or we see that Wanda is in New York City as well. And she's just there, uh, you know, hanging out, I guess. And she asks for Terry's info. She's looking for a trainer out of New York City. And Larry's raving about his trainer, Terry. And so she asks for the info and he says, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. And then we meet. I wrote down Harry at first. But it wasn't until later that people were saying his name, I guess, correctly, that it's Henry. We meet Henry, a.k.a. Miles from Murphy Brown. Did you recognize this actor? I don't know. I don't know his I don't know his real name, but I watched Murphy Brown as, no. when I was a kid. No, 
I didn't even I didn't even get his name until like closer to the end of the episode. I'm like, okay. Yeah, someone said it sounded like Harry, Hardy. and I wouldn't put it past Curb to forget that they named him earlier and change his name. Like, what was it? Henry? Yeah, just say Henry. It doesn't matter. So I'm I'm not convinced <laughs> that they didn't say Harry initially. We yeah, tons. We got a tons lot of, names. of new names yeah. in this episode. Harry, Henry, uh, Ira, Gabby. Lots of the Y names, actually, interestingly enough. Judge Horn, yeah. And Judge so Horn. Henry was, uh, <laughs> I don't know the real actor's name, but it's Miles from Murphy Brown. And it's his apartment, and his elderly dad moved in with him, who was the star of a show called Judge Horn, which I guess was a like kind of a, a people's court Judge Judy kind of show from the way people were talking about it in the, in the episode. Larry wants to go say hello to this nice elderly gentleman. And Larry's like, you know, I always think about nice things. But I never do them. <laughs> Which is such a hilarious, like, self-aware thing for Larry to say. <laughs> and even Jeff, yeah, were you going to talk about what Jeff was saying? Yeah, I, I was, I was yeah, going to say well, about Susie say? roasting remember. him after he walked off. <laughs> uh, well, because Larry walks off to go say hi to the nice elderly <laughs> old man. And so he's like, he has to just announce everything. He can't just go and do something. He's got to make an announcement about it. Which, yes, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. my God. It, I, he has those to let people, people know. <laughs> if no one was around, he wouldn't do it. If he wasn't going to get any... <laughs> No, absolutely yeah, not. For the praise, He's only and doing to make it, it feel like for a good person, which is definitely the wrong reason to do it. So it, it's not a nice thing. It's self-serving. Um, but I like that Jeff was like, it's like the inventions. You think of them, but you don't do them. <laughs> so he gets that dig in again. But I like his announcement, the way he said it was like, I am going to do something nice. <laughs> Judge Horn is playing Scrabble with a one-armed man. And Larry talks about how awkward it is because it is his, uh, he has his left arm remaining. By the way, I recognize this actor too. I, I know he's been in a ton of stuff. I don't, uh, I might have to look him up for homework next week, but he, I know he has two arms. So he is a two-armed man playing a one-armed man, um, but he his his left arm is the one remaining. And so you have to, kind of, he's like, Larry's like, well, I, if they come in with the right hand, you have to go upside down. Or do you like to shake with the left hand so you can shake regular? And and he's like, yeah, well, I deal with this every day. So um, he leaves and he's like, this gentleman is uh, he's a delight. <laughs> so I'm going to leave you and play uh, Scrabble. You can play Scrabble with him. Larry's like, by the way, my dad loved your show. And then Judge Horn uses two shocking racial slurs to describe Jewish people and black people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Just it was one of those out of nowhere with it. Uh, honestly, since Larry said the N word multiple times unprovoked, I'm very surprised that they didn't use exactly. that word. Yeah. I'm and like, then Larry, Larry repeated it, and, and then later on not repeating these words because he said worse. Like, <laughs> why is he, he now shocked much about worse. the use of racial slurs? Many yeah. times! Um, At so least two It's just really episodes. weird that he's shocked by anyone's use, use of them. It was that kind of, to the <laughs> audience, it was that kind of jaw-dropping, like, oh my god, kind of, like, kind of, I don't even know if you want to call it cringe humor, because it was just, like, <laughs> it was just shock humor, I guess, more than anything. But not in the way that, like, not in the way that you would think, like, shock humor would be. Like, it, it was just a shocking cringe moment, I guess. Um, and then he erupts at Larry, too. Like, he starts yelling at him, like, oh, are you going to cheat me, too? Or whatever. Causing Henry to come in, and he sees Jesus that the Christ. Scrabble score is 217 to 67. And he pulls Larry out of the room. <laughs> Meanwhile, Judge Horn and Larry flip <laughs> each other off. <laughs> um, and Harry, I'm sorry, Henry, I was still writing Harry at this point. 
Henry yells at Larry, and Larry's like, no, I wasn't even playing with him. I had just sat down. This was the end of the game that the one-armed man was playing. And Henry's like, what are you talking about? There's been no one-armed man. No one has seen this guy. Uh, and he kicks Larry out. And he also blames the racism on his father's dementia, which Larry says, you know, that it's like drunk people like they are thinking those things and just saying them because they're drunk like it's not it's not the dementia that's making him racist it's just the dementia is making him forget right oh, you probably and shouldn't I, you know, say I, those I don't know things enough to loud. speak on it my wife does work in the alzheimer's industry whatever you want to call it you know the alzheimer's and dementia she works for big alls yeah she works for big alls and i do know that this like being irate i don't know about racial slurs but i know this like agitation and being irate and and mm -hmm. developing a different personality are symptoms of dementia. So yes. Henry might not be making the excuse that Larry thinks he is. That I think there is some truth to to what he was saying, you know. But Larry <laughs> knows better. Um, <laughs> so uh, driving with Jeff later on, they're using the periscope again, and now this is the scene where Larry won't repeat vile racial slurs. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, like, I won't even say what I mean, he said. Why not? We 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 <laughs> applaud we applaud a king who is going going through personal growth. I guess that's true. That's true. Maybe he has <laughs> finally learned his lesson from the end of last season or the beginning of this season. It was the divorce, I think, the last time he said it, which was the first episode where he said it to the lawyer. He's like, oh, I can call him bald, just like black. People was can that pay. the first episode of this season? I, oh yeah, my god, was, this season has been going on for so long. It feels, it feels like it feels like it, right? It feels like it was so long ago. I know, but he is he has said the N-word this season, and now yes. he won't say a um I won't even say a He's, lesser lesser he, racial slur. A, yeah, it, it's a, a it's lateral racial slur. An another racial slur. Yeah. yeah. He's maybe Larry's <laughs> only West Coast racist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He won't say it out on the East Coast. Um, <laughs> He's too afraid to say it on the East Coast or or something. <laughs> I don't know. I did like the part of this conversation where he mentions that he looks he looked like his great aunt um oh yeah because because he talks about dementia and he's like yeah and, and henry tried to say it was dementia but i know it wasn't my uh, my aunt had uh, my great aunt had dementia and she wasn't racist she thought i looked like her, her dead si no um his grandfather or something he thought i was her dead sister his dead sister but he wasn't racist and jeff's like did you look like your great aunt and he's like i you know i did and he was like, the <laughs> Belle of Brighton. I loved that. I loved that quote. <laughs> um, uh, and then they see the one-armed man. And so Larry, because before he got kicked out by Henry, he vowed to bring the one-armed man to Henry and let him know that it wasn't Larry who beat his dad so badly at Scrabble. Um, by the way, like, how would Larry have time to play a game of Scrabble in between when, like, Henry left they had a two-minute conversation about Larry going back there. Larry went back there. It's not enough time to beat somebody 217 to 67 in Scrabble. So, you know, that's on that's on Henry. I'll put that on Henry. Um, but they see the one-armed man, and so they give chase using the the car periscope. And I like the POV shot that we get of through the car periscope's lens. Um, and they come upon the street where the one-armed man is, and they almost hit him, but then they lose him as he runs down into the subway. So... I, I got to say that this has to be a reference to The Fugitive because that's the only like one-armed man media where we're trying to bring this a guy to justice who has one arm that nobody has seen. Um, and I'm, it seems like rather late for a Fugitive parody. 
You know, I mean, the movie I know came out in like 94, 95. Yeah. And this is 2011. Yeah. I'm sure Larry was a fan of the original TV show when he was like a kid. But I'm like, why in 2011 are we doing a, a, a fugitive parody? It was really weird. Although I did kind of appreciate the musical stabs that happened every time the one-armed man showed his face. I thought that was kind of funny use of, of music. Um, so over at Nathan and Stein Associates, um, Terry calls while Larry is in the waiting room and cancels their their session and seemingly cancels like all their following sessions as well, which kind of puzzles Larry. He's like, what do you mean we'll figure it out? I have an appointment. He's like, oh, I got to go. But Larry is there meeting his business manager who advises him against investing in the car periscope because he just recently had a client who lost millions on another invention, a two-piece ski that you screw in. And Larry can't believe that idea. First of all, that he wasn't in on it. But second of all, that it didn't work, that it was a bad invention because he's like, I don't know, that sounds like a good idea. (laughs) Um, But I kind of see where... Like the reason skis work is because they are connected at all those points in that weak middle section. Yes. If you make one connection point there, <laughs> I mean, I'd imagine that they break pretty often. Pretty, pretty often and pretty easily. <laughs> yeah. Have you have you ever skied? Yes. Okay. I, I, I was I was gonna say I I have as well. I'm, and I'm like, it's a pretty. It's a pretty delicate construction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they're like carbon fiber and stuff like that for a reason. Yes. Like, like gonna... I, I don't know. I don't know where you could make a division point in a ski to make it smaller. That w- it would still like <laughs> I don't know it, keep its structural integrity. <laughs> yeah, when you go over bumps and stuff like that, to test that flexibility, um, or, or you'd have to have a, a bolt going through it that. It's going to be the same so size deep. as the ski. <laughs> exactly. It's going to be the same size as the ski. Um, yeah, it, it just doesn't make structural sense. <laughs> I know we need a way to, you know, transport skis that's easier, but cutting them in half ain't it, unfortunately. <laughs> um, there are a lot of problems with that design, but someone tried to do it, and this guy's client lost millions on it. Um, and then we meet this guy's attractive wife who comes in and interrupts the meeting causing Larry to dump the guy because now, you know, his his uh, business manager is bald and not attractive and this beautiful woman walks in and Larry's like, okay, I, I, I see what's going on. You are a superficial man who lacks integrity. You have no depth. So I'm afraid I can't trust you as my business manager. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like the guy's like, yeah, why doesn't it mean I have good judgment? You know, it's like, no, you're, you know, if, if that's your wife, you, you have no depth. So I'm sorry, uh, he's, he's dumping him. Uh, over at Chinatown Brasserie, which was at 380 Lafayette Street in NoHo, it closed in June of 2012 when the owners wanted to downsize. But instead, they opened a French restaurant, which I guess it was still there the last time Google Maps drove by it's lafayette grand cafe and bakery now Hmm. yeah and that is where larry and jeff are having a nice lunch it seems like with ira and gabby and larry and jeff announce to ira that they are going to invest and they hand over their checks jeff and ira leave to go to like transfer the prototype back to ira and gabby and larry are left there and larry sees henry come in and sit down and so larry tries to make it look like he and Gabby are a couple. He even goes as far after Gabby leaves to tell Henry when he comes over 
that that's his girlfriend. And Henry is very apologetic about the way the party ended in that case. He says, I misjudged you. I loved this exchange. You obviously have great character. And Larry goes, you got that right. (laughs) Such a funny funny way to say, you got that right. (laughs) Um, And and like I said, he apologizes for the way that he treated Larry because obviously no one who would be with a woman like that could have treated his father as poorly as he suspected Larry uh, of treating him. And he, in fact, asked Larry to, you know, for a favor, uh, you know, my dad goes to the park and plays Scrabble. Maybe you could go down there. And he kind of trails off. And, and obviously the idea is for Larry to throw the game to Judge Horn uh, so that he feels good about himself. And so they're in Washington Square Park. Um, Judge Horn plays on Scrabble another racial epithet and even remarks that there are lots of this race in the park around them right now. <laughs> um, and Larry is at that point kind of done throwing the game. <laughs> He's like, all right, let's play some Scrabble. But before <laughs> they can get, uh, before he can lay the smack down, he sees Wanda and Terry jogging through the park. It, for Terry, it just came down to, well, you know, I gave up your spot because Wanda's paying me more. So you guys work it out. I, I don't want to get in the middle of this, even though it's his job as to small business owner to, you know, to make the time or whatever. But I guess that was the only time he had available or it's the only time Wanda was available. And so she needed to, to uh, that time. And, and so then Larry has an idea. Hey, you remember the show judge horn? Remember judge horn? He's right over there. Why don't we let him decide whatever he say, oh my whatever God. he says goes. All right. You agree <laughs> to that? And Wanda's like, yeah, you remember you said, whatever he says goes because Larry <laughs> knows that even though he did use a horrible, racial epithet against Jewish people, it seems that he dislikes black people more than Jewish people. <laughs> so Larry's plan. Because, <laughs> I mean, hey, at least if we're judging by Scrabble, he has used two racial slurs against black people and only one against Jewish people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll let Judge Horn decide. Um, and so uh, <laughs> over at the Sunshine Theater which was at 143 East Houston Street on the Lower East Side. It opened up, let me see, well, it it opened originally as a church in 1844. This building has kind of a, um, an interesting history. Hmm. So it opened as a church in 1844. Then it changed into a boxing gym. Then it was like a Jewish burlesque theater, like a vaudeville-style like burlesque theater. Okay. In, in 1917, it was actually made into a proper movie theater then it closed uh, um you know sometime in the 20s i think uh and and throughout the 50s it was a doorknob warehouse so like when <laughs> uh, i guess you know t- like when tv came around movie theaters took a bit of a dive kind of as they did when like streaming came back around mm-hmm. um and so it, it just wasn't profitable anymore it was more profitable as a hardware warehouse that stored mainly doorknobs which i found uh curious and then it reopened in 2001 uh, as kind of like a uh, foreign film, independent art house theater. It was run out and closed and demolished sometime around 2018, run out just by rising rents. You know, it, even the owners were like in 2001 when they bought it or when they started leasing it, they were like, we knew we were going to get priced out of this building. But, you know, it's been it's been a good run. Um, and so it was sold for, the whole building was sold for $31.5 million, raised to the ground, and is now a uh, like office building slash it's like a big glass office building a little bit of retail that last time google 
drove by was still had retail for lease Damn. on the bottom floor of the office building. Yeah, I'm like, like twenty early 2019. Let's say this was done. Maybe you know, uh, but uh, whatever the case, hell of a time to open an office building in New yeah. York City. You know, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> if only you guys were prescient enough to. To, to see what you were doing. Um, I don't know how much of that office is is still for lease, but uh, the Landmark Theater is no more. You could see that some movies were playing, like Exit Through the Gift Shop, the Banksy documentary was playing there. That opened in March of 2010 uh, in theaters. And The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is playing. And this must have been the Swedish edition of the movie because that came out in 2009, the American version with Daniel Craig and Rooney Mara, I think, uh, came out in 2011. Hmm. So we know that these New York scenes were filmed around July of 2010. So it must have been the Swedish version of the movie. So it is there that we find out Larry is back on with Terry. So obviously his plan with Judge Horn was successful and he chose him. And Ira and Gabby are, he's there seeing a movie with them. And she offers to hold his popcorn while he goes to the bathroom. But after the giant handful, after having a lunch with her when he sees how much she eats and seeing that she took a giant handful of popcorn that she shoved in her, her craw when he offered her some, he's like, oh, I'll, 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 take the, uh, I'll take it to the bathroom with me. I like to munch and pee. I like to munch and pee. <laughs> um, so, uh, and they're like, what do you mean? Don't, you don't want to take your, the, to the bathroom. People are, you know, there's like germs in the air and stuff like that. And she's like, you're worried. I'm going to eat it, don't you? He can't really, you know, lie about that. And Ira is very offended that, you know, he thinks his wife is going to steal his popcorn and that, that he doesn't like her. And he's like, this is bad. This is, this is bad. I can't be in business with somebody like this. Uh, he says, I'm a man of integrity. And Larry goes, obviously. And they both look at him like, obviously. And <laughs> Gabby especially is like, what the fuck does that mean? And starts uh, uh, advancing on Larry and attacking him. And he like throws, he's like, no, take the popcorn. He like starts throwing popcorn at her as we see like kind of her POV advancing on Larry, uh, which I always like those shots. They, they kind of come back to him every time Larry is, is attacked, which is often. And so uh, I guess the deal is off with Ira. Meanwhile, Larry has another meeting with a business manager. He's got a broken arm. So Gabby uh, <laughs> really took him down. They're talking about the car periscope, which is obviously off, but he's like, I would never do anything that's, you know, I, I'm kind of risk averse. And so, you know, for instance, I, I would love to talk to you about this idea, the car periscope. And Larry's like, no, nah, no, nah, I can't, I'm not, can't do it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the outs with the inventor or whatever he says. And he's like, oh, that's too bad. Cause he's like, you really think it's a million dollar idea? And he's like, personally, I think it's a billion dollar idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then Larry sees that this guy has an ugly wife which I put a question mark next to because I was like, yeah, like she's not, that? she's not an ugly wife. I, she's I mean, like kind of conventionally. Yeah. She, not she's not like drop dead. Like, I don't know, yeah. like 13 out of 10. Yeah. She's not. A, yeah. She's not a New York nine or anything. Yeah. <laughs> but neither was the other guy's wife. Like she was just kind of a conventionally attractive older lady. And when I saw this picture, I was like, and she's definitely not a, like, you know, I mean, all due respect to Gabby, the, the actress who played Gabby, but it's like, you know, she's not conventionally attractive, but this woman was like just regular looking. I'm like, <laughs> so Larry's like super high standards, I guess, or super low standards as far as what makes ugly. And so he says, you're hired. And because Larry has a broken arm now, he gives the awkward left-handed shake to the guy uh, <laughs> on his way out. And so Larry is out hailing a cab and he is upstreamed by the one-armed man. 
and we get another great music stab. Um, and they start having an upstream battle, each one trying to get in front of the other to hail a cab until they eventually run into and knock over Judge Horn. Uh, his son Henry comes out and he yells, Dad, who did this to you? And Judge Horn rolls over and goes, the one-armed man. And he sees Larry, who has only one arm now, who trying to explain. But that's when Frolic starts to play. And that is the end of the episode. Uh, I do want to mention that the actress who played Gabby is Aida Totoro, who was Tony Soprano's sister on The Sopranos. And that is oh. definitely where I recognize her from. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and she got involved with one of the mobsters and it's a whole thing. Um, yeah. I, I couldn't place her the whole time. And I was like, <laughs> oh, another HBO show. There you go. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Tim, what do we got for homework this week? Uh, I didn't really write anything down except what I was going to look up um, the guy who I don't remember who it was now, but I was going to look up that guy. So I, I might do that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the guy, the one-armed man. That's it. I was going to look up the one-armed man, the actor. All right. What do we like for cover art this week? I mean, I think it has to be the something with the car periscope. You know, them yeah, using the yeah, car I periscope. Yeah, I think so, too. Because um, especially because yeah, there's I a good there's... two shot of Larry, like, driving and, like, fretting about traffic. And Jeff just both hands on the periscope. I'm like, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's see what we can do about this week's description. All right. So we had... Larry and Jeff weigh an investment opportunity, and Wanda Sykes preempts Larry's training schedule. Man, Wanda really doesn't have anything to do with anything. No. I could drop that completely. And also, what is Larry training for? Yeah, I mean, I, I take your point, but what do you hire a trainer for? For, for training, right? A, a trainer trains you? Yes, but I, I guess, but like, I don't know, I know. man. It's, it's odd. The training does indicate... I mean, I guess he is working toward a goal. He's working toward a healthier Larry. It is weird, yeah, because, I mean, they call him trainers. Personal trainer. Oh, what are you training for? I'm just just training. Just, just training. You know, getting getting yeah. fit, getting healthy, yeah. getting I swole. have a training session to just get, yeah, get swole. So, but, but I can drop the whole, that whole thing. I mean, you could drop it from the episode and you wouldn't lose anything. Yeah. Except it's just kind of funny I, that he I mean, uses... J judge horns racism against his friend <laughs> i mean that that's funny but it doesn't need it's not part of the plot it's just really funny so do we just want to say jeff and larry weigh an investment opportunity i'm kind of fine with that yeah i'm i'm okay with that yeah all right okay we'll just oh, do that well, let's see what chat gp would say <laughs> chat gpt i mean oh yeah yeah, yeah so thanks see. again to uh j dog conlord for this idea we we plug this into chat gpt write a brief summary of the eighth episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm season eight, Car Periscope. And here's what ChatGPT says. In the eighth episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm season eight, titled Car Periscope, Larry David encounters a new automotive gadget called a Car Periscope. All right, that's, that's kind of true. He becomes with, obsessed with it, leading to a series of comedic situations and misunderstandings. All right, as always, I mean, that- S Situations happen. That's true, yeah. Hilarity ensues. Meanwhile, Jeff's dog, Oscar, gets involved in a dispute with a neighbor. Oh, no. They brought Oscar <laughs> back from the dead? No. no. Wow. And he's involved in a dispute with a neighbor. Not Jeff. Oscar is. <laughs> <laughs> they Brian Griffin Oscar. Yes. Oscar can talk now. And immediately he starts fighting with a neighbor. Oh, no. This episode explores Larry's quirky and often absurd interactions with modern technology and everyday life. Oh my All right. God! Fuck <laughs> off, ChatGPT. <laughs> you did it. You 
you you you did it yay i don't understand why it, it was so it good at the beginning yeah <laughs> yeah i know it actually was kind of correct i mean but it, it, it had it you know and then it's like and then jeff's dog oscar wait 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 what yeah i don't get why information that was available before 2021 or whatever their whatever the cutoff is is not it can't spit it back out, but that's why we love the bit. So there, there we go. It fails once again. AI has failed us. All right, Tim, did you like this episode? You know what? I gave this episode a star. I think I might have to, I mean, I think when I saw the end of this episode, I'm like, you didn't land it. Mm -hmm. That just got you a low. The okay. ending is so unfulfilling. I was cracking up throughout the entire episode. And then when the ending is like sort of just, flops there i'm like eh, you, you didn't land it so i'm gonna take some points off for that and and if this is my if this is a strong number three i'm I'm happy with it because i enjoyed the bulk of the episode but it was really brought down by the ending what do you think i um i'm, I'm kind of feeling a similar way uh, i'm not giving it a star i'm not giving it a star low um, but that is uh, based on the strength of the episodes this season. Yeah, it has been a super strong season. Very strong. Because if, if I were to give it a star low, I'm like, uh, it's it's still not making my top three. Yeah. At this point, I think this one would be my number three. But it, I fully expect in the last two episodes for it to get usurped by a, an actual full star. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, speaking of the last two episodes of the season, next week we have got Season 8, Episode 9, Mr. Softy. Original air date, September 4th, 2011. And if you're looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see an ice cream truck triggers a painful childhood memory for Larry that has a huge impact. I mean, the end is a little hilarity ensues, right? But who knows? Yeah. Maybe. It has a huge impact. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Larry is impacted by something that happens in his environment. Whoa! Hold up. What? Hold up. So yeah, something we... something happens that makes Larry realize <laughs> that he lives in a society. Something happens that affects Larry. Whoa! Oh my gosh! Groundbreaking. Um, yeah. Groundbreaking writing. We'll see if we we might be eating <laughs> our words when we get to uh, this portion next week, but but we'll see. Uh, so is that it? Yeah, I think that is it. All right. For no hugging, no learning. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hallwell. Be good. 